You've heard the headlines. Get some perspective now with Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Good morning and a happy Friday to you. We're going to jump right into the show, updating you on what is now called a global health emergency. The lead. Yeah, so here's where we are right now. The World Health Organization has, yeah, I was waiting for it there, right. has declared the coronavirus a global health emergency, like you said. Roughly 10,000 cases, 200 deaths. The United States has now issued a travel warning to China as Delta suspends flights there. The U.K. confirms its first case. And we have uh, Italy declaring an emergency as Germany confirms its sixth case. Okay, what? what, uh, How seriously should I take the designation that the World Health Organization who has declared a global health emergency? Is there like a scale? Is this is this like remember the terror scale? I called it the Skittle scale. (laughs) Like what color Skittle are we? Are we at a green Skittle, orange, red? Like. I don't think I'm going to do anything different today. No, I don't think you're going to do anything different either. And I don't necessarily think that folks should. I think what this tells us is that it's getting worse and it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better because of the way it is spreading. Now, when I say worse, I mean, there are going to be more cases. There are going to be more deaths. I think it's just really important to remind people that coronavirus is not a death sentence. Okay, it's it's like the flu and People die from the flu every single year, and people are unfortunately going to die from this. We're seeing some uh, pretty exceptional measures being taken to contain this. And, And that's where I think the concern and the people are preparing because they don't know how bad this is going to get. But that preparation by countries, by airlines, by governments is, I think, leading to individuals panicking. I I continue to just I, I'm I am not a, a, an alarmist. I'm, not, I'm as you can tell right now. I'm not wearing a mask, nor do I have a water bottle pulled over my head. Um, I will admit that this feels different. And 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 here's something I I think that we gloss over a little too easy. Why are we assuming China is being transparent and forthright? Oh, I'm not glossing over that at all. I I I totally agree with that. But I mean, is it twice as bad in China? Is it 10 times as bad in China? Is it half as bad in China? I don't know. But I don't expect China's telling me the truth. Yeah. But how does China benefit by not at least trying to be somewhat forthcoming with it? I I mean, I don't trying to avoid panic in their own country at all costs. Here's okay. So this morning I talked to. I think there's already panic in their country. Have you seen people putting water bottles over their head and buying masks for their dogs? If, if that's what they're trying to do, <laughs> they're, they're, they're failing miserably. Okay, but but this morning, uh, KTAR medical expert and, and and our medical explanationist, Dr. Terry Simpson, um, got us some audio. We, we we wanted to find out from him his take on this because Dr. Simpson is, is not an alarmist. And uh, super producer Stevie Z got this audio. And, and here's what Dr. Simpson had to say about how the coronavirus is comparing to other viruses. And, and I think that these are important perspectives to keep in mind. The coronavirus is more infective than influenza. Influenza, typically, you will infect at least one to two other people. This will affect infect two to four other people. The coronavirus has a limited range of infectivity, meaning that 
if you cough or sneeze in public, you're going to uh, infect an area about six feet around. Compare that to measles, which is our most infective virus, which will infect people for about 100 feet around. Okay, and I think that those are kind of important numbers to kick around. All right. What, what Dr. Simpson didn't you know, talk about, and that is the flu, because that's what I keep comparing this to. Because I think a lot of people don't even understand what the, vim- the, the symptoms of the coronavirus are. They're flu-like symptoms, okay? Yeah. You're not going to bust out into a rash. No, uh, and a lot of people, to that point, they don't know. And people that might just, I say, legitimately have, hello, regular flu, there's a concern that they might have coronavirus because at at the outset, you can't tell the difference. So let's say, hypothetically speaking, someone is out and about and they have the coronavirus and they cough, okay, sneeze, whatever it may be. That can infect an area of six feet around them. And that virus can stay in that space and and survive. Like on a surface? Or well, they don't know about the surface, but, but, but around in the area, uh, Dr. Simpson tells me for about 20 minutes. Okay. Okay. The flu yeah, yeah. has about the same kind of reach, you know? Radius? Yeah. and But that can last for about an hour. Ooh. Okay. Now, the coronavirus can... Um, impact more people it spreads easier than the flu like you know if you have the flu like you heard him say there you can infect like one to two people whereas the coronavirus can impact you know three to four people so it's twice as contagious as far as that's concerned and i did talk to dr simpson because i had some questions this morning so i called him personally because i genuinely want to make sure that we are giving people good information as good as we can get okay and to your point bruce as to whether or not china is being transparent with the numbers dr simpson and i had a conversation about that okay And, and he says yeah you know what we only know what they're telling us and we talked about how many people do you think are infected Mm. in china because only those who are going to the hospital to get treatment are being counted in the infection rate and so they don't know what they don't know when you go to the hospital it's because you're super sick and not everybody gets super sick from the coronavirus so while we have the number of about let's just call it 10,000 infections that have been confirmed. Dr. Simpson says he would not be surprised if that's more like 50,000. Now, why is that number important? It may seem super scary, but perspective is important. We have 200 confirmed deaths. If you have 10,000 infections and 200 confirmed deaths, that's a much higher fatality rate than if you have 50,000 confirmed infections and 200 deaths. Okay. Get the point? Yeah. And so there are so many things about this that we don't quite understand yet. And if you've listened to the program at all this week, you've seen how I've gone from, holy cow, what's going on at ASU with the coronavirus? This is scary, to, eh, let's kind of be measured with our response. And so I wanted to get the doctor's perspective on comparing the coronavirus to the flu. Again, 60,000 people died from the flu in the United States in 2017. 200 people have died globally from the coronavirus so far this year. Again, perspective. And here's how he told me about that. This is this is this was his explanation and I thought it was kind of interesting. You might think about this as a forecast that there's snow coming and you don't know if the snowfall is going to be a light dusting or six feet. Things that you can do to prepare for the virus. Let's start by getting in the habit of washing your hands after being out in public 
making sure that you use that Purell. Those are things that are good for now because it's the flu season anyway. The the analogy that he talks there about snow, he said to me, Pamela, you grew up in Pittsburgh. You know when they forecast snow. I said, yeah. He goes, you know, you don't know if you're going to get a light dusting of snow or if you're going to get six feet of snow. So you prepare, you go out, you get the bread, you get the milk, you know, you see the run on things. Um, but, but it might only be a light dusting. We're preparing for six feet of snow, hoping it's a light dusting, to which I had to push back and say, Doc, every time in Pittsburgh they forecasted six feet of snow, it was always a light dusting. You know, they, they always got it wrong. Right? Constantly. Always got it wrong. But that's the perspective. He says that we're trying to prepare, but that people shouldn't panic. And I don't get a sense that people are at a panic stage. Oh, you don't? Not I do. here. Oh, I think. Come on. Really? Down at ASU, are you serious? There are people Putting that are Putting a panicking. mask on, I don't know, puts you at panic stage. People looking to cancel classes. Now, I know students want to cancel classes anytime they can get can- classes canceled. But, you know, taking classes online, not wanting to go down to the Tempe area, you know, Anytime, also, parents, when you send your kids off to school, there, there's that like anxiety that you've got anyway. And now you've got this down at ASU. I, I think there are most definitely people who are panicking. Everywhere I go, this is what people are talking about. Well, I'm feeling a little bit of a tickle in my throat right now. <coughs> but I'm planning on being sick Monday. You're planning. I'm planning ahead. Why? I might have a touch of the uh, Super Bowl fever. <laughs> Are you going to do the Super Bowl shuffle, too? No. I, I'm not, there's going to be that. How many people are actually going to skip work Monday? And are you already planning on it? We're going to give you an opportunity to practice your speech. He's the one they call Dr. Feelgood! What He's is the one that going makes feel on? All right! Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. I wanted, I wanted doctor music. He's the one they call Dr. Feelgood. I'm sorry, guys. I, I was looking for doctor right. or sickness music. And this is what we get. By the way, I don't think Dr. Feelgood as a song is relevant in any way, shape, or form to actually being sick. If I, if I remember. I. So why'd you choose that one, Bruce? I don't know. It's just the one that popped into my head. It's actually but probably about drugs, isn't it? Ding, 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 ding. We have a winner over there. So Although pretty much every song in the Th- 80s thanks, was. Thanks, Captain Obvious. And pretty much every Motley Crue song yeah. <laughs> was. Uh, so you pretty much nailed it there. Uh, Smoking in the from, boys' room uh, wasn't no. cigarettes. I'm going to throw it out there can for you. Can we just get past Bruce singing? Uh, are you going to take us to break with another song? I might. I don't okay. know. I might All start right. singing again. Um, are you going to be here, though, on, on Monday? I don't know. A lot of people already planning on... Planning on being sick. Yeah, Monday, the uh, Super Bowl <laughs> fever comes in. About 11 million people are planning to use like a, a day off on Monday. I want to say planning like they actually got approval. All right. Now, I was one of these people. What do you mean? I tried to get Monday off. Oh, you were planning on being sick from the Super Bowl already? No, th- there was something going on at Riley School that, that I was that I was trying to get to, and, and, sure. and it, it totally—I'm honest—it totally slipped my mind that it was the Super Bowl because, frankly, I don't care about the Super Bowl, and uh, I was told no. And it wasn't because of the Super Bowl. It was because of the Iowa caucus. You know, we've got a, a lot of important political things coming up next week. And it, I'm, I'm never told I can't take a day off. And so I understand why they said you can't take it off. And I was like, oh, OK. But a lot of you did try to get the day off and you were told yes. Now, there are a lot of you listening right now who didn't ask. No, you're not going to. No. But, but you're taking it off anyway. You already know you are. Four and a half million mm-hmm. plan to call in sick, even though, yeah, <laughs> you're not. Takes a village, as Pamela likes to say. And for those of you that are 
planning on being sick on Monday, we wanted to give you a chance to A, practice your speech. <laughs> And your excuse, B, your excuse, and B, maybe help some others out there who okay. aren't as creative as you are. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna give you a chance on our open mic line. All right, we want you to give us a call and pretend you're leaving a message for your boss. Right? This is okay. this is the dry run. You're the dry run. On, on the excuse that perfect. you are going to give your boss on Monday. Maybe this is even like the call you make Sunday night, oh, right? Yeah. Sunday <laughs> night, Monday morning that you're not coming into work. Give us a call on the open mic line and we want you to pretend as though you're leaving a message yes. for your boss. 602-200-2733. 602-200-2733. Two seven three three. Give us a call on the open mic line, and and we're we're also going to vote on who gives the best excuse and who's the most believable. Because you, as a former boss, Bruce, I used got to hear these, these all the time. I used to get these all the time. And so There's I some want eye rolls in there. I want you to kind of like, okay, if you were getting this message as a boss, would you have believed it? Because you know what, someone is actually going to get sick this weekend. And it's not going to have Good anything. Luck. Is not going to have anything to Good do with the Super Bowl on Monday. And you're going to legitimately have to call in on Monday, yeah. and it has nothing to do with the Super Bowl. Is the boss actually going to believe you? 602-200-2733. Maybe we'll even give you some tips as to how to improve it. Yeah. Um, and that open mic line <laughs> is brought to you by the Carol Royce team. Your home sold guarantee. Or Carol buy it herself. Go to carolhasthebuyers.com. Yeah. So again, you can you can uh, uh, practice your speech for lack of better terms. Your Although skills, yeah. in this day and age do you think a lot of people text their sickness so that they aren't caught in the back and forth of you don't sound that sick maybe we're in the day and age now maybe think about it when you're sick or i'm sick we usually we usually text one another we don't call up and go i'm sick and i can't make it in no pamela called me recently pamela calls yeah Yeah. i call i call unfortunately because like last week i was sick it was pretty convincing and well thank you i'm glad um steve it was 5 30 in the morning Unfortunately, yes, this is how things work behind the scenes here, folks. Uh, Steve had to get that phone call at 530 in the morning because when I woke up and I had like razor blades in the back of my throat, I didn't want to wait until 630 because that like cuts down an hour of him trying to find a replacement. And so I try to give him a heads up as much as possible. So I don't want to send him a text thinking, does he get it? Does he not get it? Does he get it? Does he not get it? I send a text, though, to like to the team so that everybody knows. But I usually make a phone call. Okay. I don't. I I think I'm more of a text person, but not you because think? I'm. You most yeah. definitely are. Because, I, but but not because I'm trying to like. <clears throat> heck, I texted you once because I couldn't talk. Like I lost my voice, and I'm like, I think I tried to call you, and I'm like, I can't. Bonus points in the messages that people leave us if you have the most convincing fake cough. Ooh. Bonus points. Can you do that? All right. So we're going to like hold up scorecards or something, and then maybe we can also give you feedback as to like how to improve Score it. Scorecards? We're going to like, <laughs> what's the Russian judge going to give you? Throw that out. 602. Throw it out. 200. Yeah. 2733. Are you planning on being sick Monday? We want to hear your phone call you're making to your boss, your manager, your whatever it may be, your director. On Sunday night, Monday morning, that you're not going to be at work because of the Super Bowl. But no, no, no. I mean, I'm sorry. Because you're sick. You've got the Super Bowl flu. 17 and a half million of you are planning on this. 602-200-2733. And again, maybe you can help others that, 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 that aren't as good at this as you are at faking being sick so that you can... Ooh, I also like the really creative, oh, creative excuses. I mean, like, you're also going to get bonus points for creativity. Yeah. 
convincing cough and creativity. Go. Go. 602-200-2733. The impeachment process could end today or, or, or maybe tomorrow. And, and what role will our senators play in it? One of our senators is kind of in the spotlight right now. That's coming up next on Arizona's News Station. Arizona's news station, KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. We could mercifully be coming to an end of this circus trial uh, as early as tonight. Pamela, is that a possibility? Yeah, it is a possibility. Today, you have the Senate that's going to vote on witnesses. We'll update you on where we are with those numbers here in just a moment. Uh, well, actually, it doesn't appear like they have the numbers. So if they don't have the numbers, that moves pretty quickly and they could vote to acquit tonight. Well, they're going to... Uh, my prediction, I, I've, I've been unwavered in my in my belief. They are going to vote to acquit. They were going to vote to acquit three months ago. So that has never, I don't think, even been remotely in question. Whether or not there would be any additional witnesses, at least hung in the balance for a little bit yesterday, and that's off the table. Well, it appears to be off the table now that Senator Alexander has come out. He was one of the the maybe. Republicans that were a maybe, mm-hmm. and now he's firmly in the no, I'm not voting for witnesses category. So it's still quite possible that when a vote eventually comes, because you know how these things go, they got a debate about taking a vote, you know. Fun stuff, right? Like four hours oh of that. Like, starting why is that necessary? Today. I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, you want to playing talk, to their bases? You want to talk about it for half an hour? Cool. Four hours? Yeah. Get over. It's not going to change anybody's. Again, no. the votes are predetermined. But, so, so it could very well, very well be fifty-fifty mm-hmm. on witnesses. That's assuming all Democrats vote for witnesses. And if it's fifty-fifty, will the Chief Justice step in? Probably not. So if it's a tie, it'll go down to no witnesses. But when I say we're assuming all Democratic senators would vote for witnesses, that's a pretty big assumption because we have a senator, Democratic senator, right here in the state of Arizona, who has held her cards close to the vest when it comes to these impeachment proceedings. And of course, I'm talking about Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema. As the trial began, she released a statement and it said, quote, I will treat this process with the gravity and impartiality that our oaths demand. It will not comment on the proceedings or facts until the trial concludes. And she has held true to that. We do not know where Senator Kirsten Sinema truly stands on anything. So people are trying to garner where her position lies in the questions that she asks. And yesterday, she was... It's like when we went to the Supreme Court, right? When you try to look at what questions the justices are asking, and then you try to go, well, what do they really think? So what does it say to you that Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema asked a question on behalf of herself, Democratic Senator Joe Manchin... All right. Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski and Republican Senator Susan Collins, because they can all sign on to the same question. I offer you this because it was the first bipartisan question posed throughout the two days of questioning. And here it is. Will the president assure the American public that private citizens will not be directed to conduct American foreign policy or national security policy unless they have been specifically and formally designated by the president and the State Department to do so. 
there was no conduct of foreign policy being carried on here by a private person. I assume that the reference would be to Mr. Giuliani, the pre- president's yes. private counsel. Yeah, the one who's uh, Ambassador it. Volker was clear <laughs> that he understood Mr. Giuliani just to be a source of information That's for the right. president That's and right. someone who knew about Ukraine Despite, and yeah. someone who spoke to the president. Yeah. And in fact, it was um, the testimony that it was the Ukrainians, Andre Yermak, who asked to be connected to Mr. Giuliani simply because he was someone who could provide information to the president. Again, despite Uh, all evidence and facts to the contrary, contrary, uh, if this was a real court of law, again, he'd be held in contempt. But, uh, you know, again, not true. But here's the thing. So in asking that question, a bipartisan question, first off, what assurance would you get that would mean anything? Um. And what is Senator Cinema telegraphing in that? I don't know. She hasn't really telegraphed anything. And here's what I want to offer, folks. The, the idea of acquittal. We foregone both conclusion believed from the very beginning that that was going to Absolutely. happen. So why go through the process? Well, because I think history is going to look back none too favorably on what happens today in the Senate, my opinion. But... The idea that all Democrats are lockstep in convicting this president is not clear. It is quite possible, I believe, wow. that the Democratic senator from the state of Arizona, Kirsten Cinema, could split the vote on the two articles of impeachment. They're going to vote and, twice. And on one article of impeachment, she could vote to acquit. Now, if she votes to acquit this president, it could mean a couple of different things. Um, one, it could alienate some Democratic voters here in the state of Arizona. Okay. It, yeah, could I mean, it could impact her, her legacy. Okay. And it could, if she, as well as a few others, like Joe Manchin out of uh, West Virginia, West Virginia. Yep. Um, and you also have Senator Doug Jones out of Alabama that folks are looking at, if those three senators vote to acquit on any of these articles, One of the two. it is going to give the president oh, uh, yeah. the opportunity to assert that he was cleared by a bipartisan vote. Yeah, well, he's going to claim victory regardless of what happens. Don't get me wrong. Even though, and I thought this was interesting, that, uh, well, first off, I think Kirsten Cinema. I agree with you. I think she might split the vote. Yeah, I do, too. I think she will vote no on obstruction of Congress. Congress. Me, too. Yes on abuse of power. I, 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 That's if, how I see it right now. If, if she did that. And is that, again, all the votes that are going to happen from here on out are merely being taken for political expediency. These have everything to do with who you're going to stand in front of, who you're running against, and your re-election. So just understand that's where these votes are coming from. And does splitting her vote, if Senator Cinema does that, does it further her brand as a maverick, a moderate, an independent thinker? I don't think she's been there long enough to be, you know... Uh tapped or stamped with the maverick when you say maverick i think of john mccain i understand that and i think she would like to fancy herself in that role fair enough but she's only been there for a year and 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 while while she has really blazed an unusual trail for herself not just fashion wise uh, (laughs) i like it right she is who she is she's a fantastic um but I, I think that she she's trying to thread a very a very hmm. difficult needle in that being the first winning Democratic Senate campaign in Arizona in three decades, 
she has to get Republicans and independents. Not this year. She's not running for re-election no, this year, but she is building years. this brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we want to hear from you on our open mic line. If Senator Cinema were to vote to acquit the president on one of the two articles, split her vote. What do you, what does that mean to you? Does it just tick everybody off? How, how, well, how does Arizona react to that? How do you react to that? Yeah. How, if that were to happen, what would be your thoughts on that? We want to hear from you on our open mm. mic line. 602-200-2733. 602-200-2733. Would that be a good thing in your book or a bad thing in your book? Give us a call. I always thought the middle of the road is a good place to get hit by a truck. Yeah, I always heard, like, sitting on the fence after a while, it hurts. You got to pick a side. Schools are trying to handle one problem, but they might have inadvertently created another one. The addiction to phones. We're talking about it next. Arizona's news station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. You know, it's a, it's a question I, I've had for my, my goddaughters, for my niece and nephew, because I'm always curious. They all have cell phones and have had them for a while. But, like, what is your policy at school? You know, are you allowed to use them? And, and I can tell you that for a lot of them, the policy was you can have it. It just can't be seen. Yeah, I think that's Not a lot of Not visible policies. cell phone, sure, right? It's going to be in your backpack. I can't see it. If I see it, you lose it. Mom and dad get called. they got to come pick right. it up. Um, but we know that there is a... I mean, if I say dependency on cell phones or technology, I might be understating the connection. And how do you deal with that connection? And how do schools deal with it? Yeah, so the Wall Street Journal recently came out with a story where they detailed how some schools are trying to reduce the classroom distractions. Because you and I have talked about not just the distractions that come with having a cell phone out and on campus, but we've also heard from teachers that have had to put together several different versions of a test because of cheating and how rampant that has become, especially like in in the high school setting. Okay, But what this article took a look at is how some of these schools are confiscating or or, are taking the phones away. They're holding students' phones and Hostage? Well, I mean, in clear pouches, okay? Um, others are, 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 like, teachers are creating, like, these communal charging stations. So it's over there. You can see it. It's charging, but you can't touch it kind of thing. Interesting. Um, while those patches, those pouches, rather, that uh, some... People will see at like movie theaters or at yeah, concerts. Concerts where you have to yeah. where you you put them in the pouch, you get to hold on to it, but right. you can't unlock it until you go underneath like that mag- magnetic little unlocking device. Yeah, Some schools have stuff. gone to that okay. degree, but what we're finding out is the schools that go to those lengths, which yeah. some of them seem to be pretty extreme, because it's an extreme problem, is also creating extreme separation anxiety. Yeah, yeah. That there is a a for the students, yeah, for the students. Yeah, I guess we need to be clear that, that the students, when they are not in contact with their device, with their phone, are feeling re- it's real uh, mental and physical anguish because of you it. know what. And, and for me, initially, when I saw that, I'm thinking uh, separation anxiety. When I think of separation anxiety, I think of toddlers. Right like when, when they're mom's away from mom not and around, dad, they start or, crying. Right. Okay, yeah. Or some pets. You leave the house and they end up like eating through they, a wall. You're like, what is going stuff? on yeah, here? Okay. But then I kind of go back to when, you know, I've left my phone at home. You get that initial like, oh no, yeah. there's the phone. Yes. And for me, that usually comes from the 
crap, where did I leave it? Did I lose it? Kind of thing. But what we're dealing with in this situation is a lot of times the kids actually have it or they can see it. They just can't use it. Can't touch it. And so what's the problem with that? Um, we have a, a, a clinical psychologist, uh, Dr. Lisa Strom, who, who talked to Fox News about this. And, and here's okay. what she's had to say. Right now we're in a crisis and either we're going to figure out a way to blend those together uh, and, and figure out how we educate and empower people to have a solution and a plan in place together. Or we, we simply just sit there and watch these kids fail, uh, which to me doesn't let me sleep very well at night. So mm. what's, the, what's the solution? How do we begin to solve this problem? Well, you, you, you have to start by, and, and this will be difficult for some people, acknowledging that it's very real. Oh, yeah. And, and that get over it, deal with it. When I was a kid, it's not going to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Beca- because if the, if the end result is we want kids in school to perform, we're going to have to e- acknowledge it in some way, shape, or form and come up with a solution that's about 2020, not 1920. Mm-hmm. Right? So we or, can- or, or, or 1990. Yeah. We, yeah. So we have to acknowledge it is very real. And some of it is, quote, your fault. Yeah, parents. a lot of it happens at home. That the precedent the, you're the, setting. The, the phone represents so much more than a way to connect to the Internet. Oh, no. I mean, I, I get it. It might not even it, like the phone, the iPad, the computer or whatever it may be. It also gives mom and dad a moment to breathe. Well, but when you say that, OK, so how many parents out there are you have you seen people who have used the phone mm-hmm. when a kid is fussy yeah. or crying yeah. and you give them bubble guppies or you give them a little thing that they can play with? So you started at a very young age that this is a soothing device. Yeah. Right? Okay. So they get fussy. They get cranky. They don't want to do something. What do you do? Just here. Here's the, the phone. phone. Here's the thing. Go away for a little while. I mean, you don't have to comment on this, Bruce. But at times, I, I get fussy. I, I get cranky. <laughs> there are things that I don't. Want I'm not to supposed do. to say anything. No, don't say. Shh. Okay, quiet sorry. over there. You don't need to like co-sign on any of that. Um, and we, as adults, get in that situation as well. But you know, we, we've had to learn how to cope with that. If you're not allowing a child to experience that, and and be uncomfortable. Instead, you're constantly handing them this device. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're not learning how to cope with any of that. And so when they go to school and it's not in front of them, they don't know how to cope either. So again, what what this clinical psychologist is saying is you've got to model some of these behaviors at home. You can't just let free reign of devices at home be the norm and then send a kid to school and expect them to put them away and not have some sort of problem. Right. Exactly. You, you, we, you, have created some of this situation. You're going to have to be a part of the solution. And then they get to school and you're like, well, just get over it. Well, that doesn't work like that. I, I saw it last night at, 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 at the event I was with. There was a kid in the room, probably one and a half, two years old, fussy, crying, interrupting. Hand him the phone. Shuts him right up. What's that message? And when they get to be 8, 12, 16, why do you think they'd forget that? I think you're teaching them at a young age. Check of the headlines is on the way. Then we're right back. Could the president be acquitted by close of business today? We're talking about it next.